Welcome to the Relationship Church Podcast. This is our midweek service where we dive deeper into the Word of God, studying the Bible together as a body. We invite you to grab your Bibles, open your minds, and prepare to search the Scriptures with us. We are Relationship Church, the Whole Life Church. Again, let's go to Joshua chapter 24. That's going to be where we start our study today. We may not end there, but that's where we're going to start everything. So uh, Joshua chapter 24, uh, verse 1, and I'm reading from the Holman Christian Standard Bible version. So I'll call out the scriptures as I begin to read them so that... uh, We can all be on the same page. All right, verse one. Joshua assembled all the tribes of Israel at Shechem and summoned Israel's elders, leaders, judges, and officers, and they presented themselves before God. Joshua said to all the people, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. Long ago, your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor lived beyond the Euphrates River and worshiped other gods. Let me stop right there uh, at verse two. So as Joshua and just um, just giving a bit of, of backstory before going forward, uh, Joshua is getting ready to really lay out the history of Israel uh, from Abraham up to the present time and he first starts out by saying look your ancestors were those who worshiped other gods that did not worship Yahweh so he's saying first and foremost look you come from idolatrous people and one thing that really stands out as we keep going through this passage today is uh really the importance of remembering uh, that may be uh, the pseudo title we'll see as, as things go on but uh, just the importance of remembering uh, so he he sets out again and, and says look off the top you come from idolatrous people know that this is in you all right verse three but i took your father abraham from the region beyond the euphrates river led him throughout the land of Canaan and multiplied his descendants. I gave him Isaac. And to Isaac, I gave Jacob and Esau. I gave the hill country of Seir to Esau as a possession, but Jacob and his sons went down to Egypt. So again, laying out everything, I'll start off with Abraham uh, and the fact that he brought him out of the land, which we know, uh, knowing the story of Abraham, that he led he was led by the lord out of the land of his fathers into a land where he would be shown uh so he led him out of the land where all of this idolatry was going on into lands where there was other idolatry but it was a strange land it was a different land it wasn't as comfortable as it was back home and he was able to to deal with him and lead him and guide him and bring forth the promises to him that he would have a child even though it didn't look like 
that was the case, i.e. Isaac's name meaning laughter because of Sarah uh, laughing at the thought of bearing a child at such an old age. All right, verse five. Then I sent Moses and Aaron. I plagued Egypt by what I did there. And afterward, I brought you out. So again, rem reminding him, you were enslaved. And not only were you enslaved, you were enslaved for millennia, hundreds and hundreds of years there in Egypt. You were uh, enslaved by uh, the very people who many years before had been uh, a safety net for you. You know, you would not be alive had uh, Joseph not gone before you all into Egypt, then brought you into Egypt and, and kept you there. It, it's interesting just thinking of that, that the very place that was their salvation also became their place of bondage. It's just a, a great reminder, again, that, that things and situations can change. Uh, but one thing that does not change is God. All right, verse six, when I brought your fathers out of Egypt and you reached the Red Sea, the Egyptians pursued your fathers with chariots and horsemen as far as the sea. Verse seven, your fathers cried out to the Lord. So he put darkness between you and the Egyptians and brought the sea over them, engulfing them. Your own eyes saw what I did to Egypt. After that, you lived in the wilderness a long time. Again, focusing on remem remembering and reminders. They came out of Egypt by God's mighty hand. He started leading them into uh, the promised land, or at least on the path to the promised land. Egypt came after them again, and they were delivered but they were delivered because they cried out to the Lord. You know, it, it wasn't their army. You know, it wasn't their might that delivered them. It was because of them crying out to the Lord that he delivered them and he allowed them to see his hand at work for them, putting the darkness there and then causing the same sea that stood up on walls for them to walk through to collapse and destroy their enemy. Just like... uh. <laughs> Just like uh, Egypt was a place of uh, salvation and life for Israel before being enslaved, this uh, the Red Sea was a place of salvation for uh, them, but it was a place of death for the Egyptians. All right, verse eight. Later, I brought you to the land of the Amorites who lived beyond the Jordan. They fought against you, but I handed them over to you. You possessed their land, and I annihilated them before you. Last time I taught, I think I spoke about um, the Amorites coming out against Israel as they were leaving Egypt. They attacked Egypt from behind, which is where all the the sickly and old folks were and this is the battle that is spoken of where Moses had to have his hands held up uh, by uh, by Joshua and I think her on the other side holding up his hands 
uh, because as long as his hands were lifted, the Lord gave victory to Israel. But when his hands dropped, then uh, this mighty nation uh, of Amorites was able to have a level of victory, or I should say uh, they were beginning to advance and have success against Israel when his hands were down. Um, so th this is the story, or I should say this is the account uh, that goes along with this specific passage. Uh, and don't forget the Amorites, uh, which you know we read a bit uh, before, the Amorites were descendants of Abraham as well. They were Esau's descendants. Specifically, they say they were uh, they were Edomites, which Edom is another word for Esau. You know, but their own people, their own blood, their own relatives, though distant, their own relatives came against them as soon as they came out of Egypt to try to take them out. So a lot of times it's those that are closest to you that hurt you the worst. All right, let, let us continue. Verse nine, Balak, son of Zippor, king of Moab, set out to fight against Israel. He sent Balaam, son of Beor, to curse you. But I would not listen to Balaam. Instead, he repeatedly blessed you and I delivered you from his hand. So um, Balak, the king, uh, was looking to take over and, and go against Israel uh, to fight against them. And, and he wanted an upper hand. So he sent for the prophet to curse them, gave, <laughs> gave Balaam a lot of money to curse them. And every time Balaam opened his mouth, he was blessing um, Israel because that is what the Lord put on his heart. And as being a prophet of God, that is what uh, the Lord brought out of him as he opened his mouth. Right, verse 11, uh, you then crossed the Jordan and came to Jericho. So uh, just, just as a, a side note, all of this happened before they crossed over the Jordan into the promised land, uh, being attacked by Moab, uh, being attacked by the Amorites. Uh, all of this happened before they crossed over Jordan into the promised land. So uh, then you crossed Jordan and came to Jericho. The people of Jericho, as well as the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, all the ites fought against you, but I handed them over to you. Every single time the enemy came against Israel, Israel was victorious, and, and that's where we're reading. All of these different battles, all of these different uh, people opposing them, every time that happened, they were delivered and they were blessed because the Lord did it. He gave them victory over the Amorites by uh, having Moses raise his hands. He gave them victory over uh, Balak by having Balaam uh, continue to speak blessings upon them. He gave them victory over Jericho and all these ites. He's the one who did it. Verse 12 uh, speaks of it even more so. Uh, it says, I sent the hornet ahead of you and it drove out the two Amorite kings before you. It was not by your sword or bow. So uh, the Lord is making it very, very clear 
through Joshua that it wasn't your strength. It wasn't your might. It was me who did it. The, the hornet that it speaks of here is really uh, the, 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 the power of God. It's, uh, it's a fear and a terror that he put in the hearts of the people. And that's what brought about their demise. It wasn't necessarily the, the military might of Israel, but it was Israel's God who defeated the enemy before they even got a chance to, to get to them. Oftentimes, and um, as many of you all know, I am a combat sports aficionado. I love fights. The only two things I love more than fights is Jesus and my family, but it's, it's in that order. Faith, family, and watching fights. That's what I like. Uh, sanctioned fights, uh, not um, not people on Walmart's parking lot. I don't like that at all. <laughs> Food. Yeah, well, um, uh, that that is a, a love of mine as well, uh, uh, Brother Jermaine. I do love food, uh, but I think I love fighting a little more than I love food. Watching fights, sanctioned fights. Again, I don't like um, I don't like people just just throwing down uh, for for any reason. That's yeah, that's not cool. All right, uh, <laughs> I'm glad I could bring some levity uh, to you all. But anyway, it, it was the Lord's doing, not their might, not their training. Uh, Israel uh, again going into fights and martial arts and stuff. Israel has a uh, a martial art for their special services that is known across the world and practiced by many people called Krav Maga. It is a very, very um, effective, uh, very effective and technical form of martial arts. It is there to incapacitate uh, or um, separate someone from uh from this life that that's what it's all about but it wasn't their military might it wasn't their their training that got it done it was the lord who drove them out and he wanted them to know look all of this this was me don't forget this was me all right verse 13 i gave you a land you did not labor for and cities that you did not build what does that mean Continuing on in the verse, though you live, yeah, though you live in them, you are eating from vineyards and olive groves that you didn't plant. That's what it means. The 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 cities, the the homes and stuff, the the those things are there because I allowed these other people to build it up for you, but then for you to take it, the 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 fruit that you're able to partake of you know the food and the, the the wine and all of that stuff you're doing it but you didn't labor for it all you did was you came in and you possessed that land uh, which makes me think of the scripture that says the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous that was the case uh, in this situation they got a lot of things uh, handed to them that others worked for and built up for uh, Israel which uh, we'll look at some other things that that help to uncover uh, that idea. Oh, and not even idea, but that truth that that land was Israel's, even though they did not live in it. It was Israel's because the Lord promised it to them uh, many, many, many years prior to that. All right. Verse 14. Therefore, 
fear the Lord and worship him in sincerity and in truth. And say that again. Therefore, fear the Lord. So fear, honor him, reverence him, and worship him, not half-heartedly, you know, but sincerely, you know, do it with your whole heart. Uh, do it uh, in, in earnest, which this is really something to kind of put a pin in because we can worship and worship half-heartedly just because, you know, we're worshiping and we know this by uh, Cain's sacrifice, just because we're worshiping doesn't mean that our worship is being accepted. Are we doing it with the right heart? Are we doing it with the right spirit? Are we doing it in truth? So many people are falling away from uh, God and the things of God now because they've been worshiping what they thought to be God. And then now people are introducing uh, different things to them and, and helping them to see uh, some flaws in their theology. And instead of looking to find out what the truth is about God, they're just throwing everything away. Well, if, you know, if this is wrong or, and, and much of it has been exposed over the past couple of years, well, if my brother who I've been working beside all this time really doesn't love me, then is that my brother? And, you know, the, the, the pastor who's been, been preaching and giving me the word, the things that he's doing does not show a love for me. So, but instead of seeking the Lord more uh, because they weren't worshiping in truth, they were worshiping this ideology, the, this paradigm that was being put forth, they're throwing everything away. So Joshua is admonishing Israel, worship the Lord, uh, fear him, uh, excuse me, first reverence him. Then as you worship him, do it sincerely and worship him in truth, not falsehoods, not I'm worshiping him for a bigger house, uh, more cars, a uh, bigger bank account. No, I'm worshiping him in truth. I'm worshiping him for who he, who he is, not for what he's done for me. I can thank him for what he's done for me, but I worship him because of who he is. All right. Um, it says, get rid of, still in verse 14, get rid of the gods your fathers worshiped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and worship Yahweh. So he, he's letting them know, it's like, look, you all have false gods among you right now even though the lord has done all these things he's the one who brought you out he's the one that gave you victory he's the one that gave you the land that uh, you're in and and is is feeding you and and taking care of you he's the one that drove out everyone yet you're still going after false gods you're going after the gods that your fathers worship remember all the way back to terah abram's father they, he worshiped false gods and that same pattern continued down through the years. So he's telling them, don't worship the false gods that your fathers worship. You need to worship the true and living God, which is Yahweh. Verse 15, 
But if it doesn't please you to worship Yahweh, just a moment. All right, we'll get back to this. If it doesn't please you to worship Yahweh, choose for yourselves today the one you will worship, the gods your fathers worship beyond the Euphrates River, again, going all the way back to Terah, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're living. So you, you got a choice. You can worship the ones your fathers worship. You can worship the ones that uh, are being worshiped here where you live. And th this is uh, a verse that gets quoted very often. Joshua, you know, shares, as for me and my house, we will worship the Lord is what it says in um, the King James Version, in which is the version that we're most familiar with that gets quoted. But in uh, this one saying, uh, we will worship Yahweh. We will worship the true and living God. The people replied, we will certainly not abandon the Lord to worship other gods. For the Lord our God brought us and our fathers out of the land of Egypt, out of the place of slavery, and performed these great signs before our eyes. So j just a, a, as a, uh, again, as a reminder, these are people, this is the generation that came out of the wilderness that was born in the wilderness uh, and that saw all of the family members die off and these are the ones who were able to possess the land you know so they're saying look i we've I, we've seen these great signs and, and wonders you know some of us are old enough to remember uh coming across the uh coming across the red sea you know we definitely were there and we came across the jordan you know we we remember the the pillar of fire uh, by night i mean yeah fire by night and, and cloud by day we we remember these things we know how the lord delivered us uh from our enemies and gave our enemies things to us so they're saying we're going to worship this guy who has done all these things and provide these great signs before our eyes he also protected us along the way when we went among all the peoples whose lands we traveled through Verse 18, the Lord drove out before us all the people, including the Amorites, who lived in the land. We, too, will worship the Lord because he is our God. So that they are reverencing and honoring him as being God. They are saying, hey, whatever it is that that happened to us as far as our travels thus far and being protected and anyone that we've driven out it's been done by God so they're echoing what Joshua said so Joshua starts talking again verse 19 but Joshua told the people you will not be able to worship Yahweh because he is a holy God he is a jealous God he will not remove your transgressions and your sins so Joshua's just being straight up honest with him. He's like, look, I hear what you're saying, but y'all not going to do this. You are not going to, to worship him. He's holy. As a matter of fact, you can't do it because he's holy and he's jealous. He's not going to allow you to have anyone or anything before him. And you are going to have to carry your own sins. They're not going to be forgiven you because you won't worship him. 
verse 20, uh, the, the Israelite nation comes back and said, no, oh, I'm sorry, this is still um, Joshua. Uh, no, uh, or I should say, if you abandon the Lord and worship foreign gods, he will turn against you, harm you, and completely destroy you after he has been good to you. So, you know, Joshua's letting them know what is in store for them if they choose not to worship Yahweh, if they choose to worship the God of uh, their fathers across the Euphrates, they choose to worship the gods of the Amorites, they choose to worship any other gods. What's going to happen is that even though God has brought you out by a mighty hand, even though he has made you rich, even though he has given you all these blessings, he will harm you and he will completely destroy you because you're not following after him. This is a great, great lesson for us just because we're being uh, uh, blessed financially, just because doors have been opened on our behalf in the past and the Lord has been faithful to us. If we're not faithful to him, then he will turn his back on us and allow what we should get to come versus uh, being merciful and holding back the punishment that we should have for all of our transgressions. And we won't be forgiven of our sins. We won't be able to be forgiven unless we turn back to him and we confess them. All right, verse 21. Know the people answered Joshua. We will worship the Lord. Verse 22, Joshua then told the people, you are a witness against yourselves that you yourselves have chosen to worship Yahweh. They say, we are witnesses. Verse 23, then get rid of the foreign gods that are among you and offer your hearts to the Lord God of Israel. Again, Joshua is being really, really upfront and blunt with them. He's like, you're not going to be able to worship God because he's holy. And he's a jealous guy. Like, okay, so you're a witness against yourself by saying you're going to worship God. So when it's all said and done, you can't blame anybody. You're the one who said that you're going to worship him. Oh, you say you're going to worship him? Okay, prove it. Get rid of the false gods you have. The Lord has done all these things for you, but you still have these foreign gods that you're worshiping. And one of the reasons why or I should say that led me in this study um, is that we often, or I should say, at least for me, when I first studied these things years ago, it really puzzled my mind. I was like, wow, how could these people who see God doing all this stuff on their behalf go after false gods? I kept living though, and I understood because we do the same thing. There are our sins. There are... Um, things about the world that we like and we want to hold on to a little bit of that we we want to serve god you know we want to we we say that we want to please him you know we do things that outwardly appear to be holy but we're still holding on to that 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 little thing you know i i, I you know i kind of like to to go off on people you know i uh don't check my my search history or um you know just once a month you know i'm i'm, I'm out with the with the fellas and don't don't ask me what I'm doing out with the fellows, out with the ladies, you know, with my, my girlfriends. Don't ask me what we're doing, you know, down at, at her house. 
because you know that that's my thing we're still holding on to those foreign gods we're still holding on to those false gods for the same reason that uh our ancestors spiritually held on to them it's because of the perceived benefit of serving those gods and, and there is a, a benefit flesh wise you know there are things that it does that brings us um it, it brings us pleasure to do these things but the wages of sin is death and ultimately uh even though uh it tastes good and it feels good in the moment um when it's all said and done it's not going to end well all right verse 24 so the people said to joshua we will worship the lord our god and obey him on that day joshua made a covenant for the people at shechem and established a statute and ordinance for them verse 26 joshua recorded these things in the book of the law he also took a large stone and set it up under the oak next to the sanctuary of the Lord. Verse 27, and Joshua said to all the people, you see this stone, it will be a witness against us, for it has heard all the words the Lord has said to us, and it will be a witness against you so that you will not deny your god so he he took this stone this large stone set it right by the place of worship right by the tabernacle right by the physical and visible um manifestation or at least a place where the lord will manifest himself amongst israel he put that stone there saying you said you're going to worship him and him alone. So anytime you're coming to God or you're coming uh, or you're around the things of God, I want you to remember, you said that he is the only one you're going to serve. You're not going to serve the other gods. You're going to serve him. You know, and, and really this is a, a memorial. As I was reading this, I thought of um, Luke uh 1940 where uh jesus talks about uh that he will raise up stones to to speak on his behalf this stone is speaking or i should say would speak for them because it was a witness against him now it's more so a witness in the vein of like a historical marker you know as you drive around uh st louis or you know if you're traveling down the highway you know you'll see different historical markers saying you know, in this spot, this certain thing happened, you know, and in this place, this historical happening uh, took place. I think of when we were uh, worshiping at the Boys and Girls Club and how uh, in certain areas in North City where they'll have historical markers stating where uh, Civil War battles were fought. That's really what this large stone was. And joshua made sure that he put it in the book of the law so that as they went through and they read the law regularly and they saw uh this specific covenant that was made by joshua for them that they will remember when they see that that stone that it is a witness against us 
if we choose not to serve the Lord because we said we were going to serve the Lord. This stone was there when we said we were going to serve the Lord. You know, the the whatever sound waves that we uh, emanated uh, went into or bounced off of that thing. It, it's this is to remind us we said that we're going to serve the Lord. All right, verse 28. Then Joshua sent the people away, each to his own inheritance. So after making this covenant, after making it very, very clear that there's only one God and whatever it is you have, you've got it because the Lord has blessed you with it. Whoever you defeated, it wasn't because of your strength, but it was because of the Lord's doing that you were able to defeat that enemy. After doing all that, he sent them out to go and possess the land. Verse 29, uh, after these things, the Lord's servant, Joshua, son of Nun, died at the age of 110. They buried him in his allotted territory at Timnasserah in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gaash, I believe is how that's said. Israel worshiped Yahweh throughout Joshua's lifetime and during the lifetimes of the elders who outlived Joshua and who had experienced all the works Yahweh had done in Israel. So Joshua was giving them this charge. He was setting everything up. He uh, established this covenant with Israel just before he got out of there. It's like, this is my last act, you know, uh, you know, being your leader. I'm letting you know that it's God and God alone that you should serve. They're saying we will serve God. And uh, indeed, they did that as long as Joshua was alive. And as long as the leaders that they had, had experienced, had firsthand knowledge of all that the Lord had done. As long as those things were in place, they followed and they worshiped God. Verse 32, Joshua's bones which the Israelites brought up from Egypt were buried at Shechem in the parcel of land Jacob had purchased from the sons of Hamor, Shechem's father for a hundred, whatever that denomination of currency is that starts with a Q. <laughs> uh, and it was an inheritance for Joshua's descendants. Now, I'm sorry, Joseph's descendants, not Joshua, wrong J. Remember earlier when I talked about the land being theirs and even though everyone else built up things for them and they possessed it, it was still their land? Well, let's go over to Deuteronomy chapter three really quickly. Uh, and just reading a couple verses. So Deuteronomy chapter three, uh, verse one, th this is proof positive that the land was theirs, uh, even though other people may have inhabited it, even though other people may have had titles and deeds to it, and they uh, worked it and they built it and they, they made all these things for themselves. That land belonged to Israel because God said it belonged to Israel. So verse one of Deuteronomy three, uh, then we turned and went up the road to Bashan of Og, Hold on just a moment. This is not the right one. I'm sorry, wrong passage. Give me just a minute. 
all right. Well, since I am not finding it right now, uh, or I should say I'm not uh, remembering exactly where it is. As you go through, it's in Genesis. I take that back. I, I remember now. It is in Genesis uh, chapter 34, Genesis 34. So let me go back there. Thank you, Lord, for bringing it to my remembrance. Uh, you all see the, the uh, you see the scriptures being revealed uh, in real time. Uh, scripture says uh, that the Holy Spirit will bring all things to your remembrance. I picked the wrong uh, scripture. Deuteronomy is where um, where it spoke of the two kings that the hornets went and, and drove them out. But Lord reminded me it was in Genesis uh, 34. So anyway, Genesis 34, uh, verse 1, Dinah, Leah's daughter, whom she bore to Jacob, went out to see some of the young women in the area. When Shechem, son of Hamor, the Hivite, a prince of the region saw her. He took her and raped her. He became infatuated with Dinah, daughter of Jacob. He loved the young girl and he spoke tenderly to her. Get me this girl as my wife, he told his father Hamor. Jacob heard that Shechem had defiled his daughter Dinah, but since his sons were with his livestock in the field, he remained silent until they returned. Meanwhile, Shechem, father of Hamor, came to speak with Jacob. Jacob's sons returned from the field when they heard about the incident and were deeply grieved and angry, for Shechem had committed an outrage against Israel by raping Jacob's daughter. So it wasn't just against Dinah. It wasn't just against uh, the descendants of Leah, but it was against uh, Israel and all of Israel that this horrible thing was done. Verse 8, Hamor said to Jacob's sons, my son, Shechem, is strongly attracted to your daughter. Please give her to him as a wife. Intermarry with us. Give your daughters to us and take our daughters to yourselves. Uh, live with us in the land uh, that is before you. Settle here. Move about uh, and acquire property. And I'm not going to go um, much further. So just kind of going back to back to the the place where it says that this outrage was done uh against israel in different versions um it, it speaks about how uh it was done against the the land or the place of of israel uh again speaking to the fact that even though they were in the land that was not theirs at the time it was to be theirs because god had promised it to them and as we read in uh, Joshua, right there at the end, that uh, the very land that that Israel bought from Hamor, that uh, he, or I should say, Joseph was buried in, because it was given to Joseph and his descendants. All right, let's go back to... Um, I think we were done with Joshua chapter 24. We could, we can go into, well, actually, no, we're not quite done with it. All right. So um, verse 33, and Eleazar, son of Aaron, died, and they buried him at Gibeah, which had been given to, or I should say, which had been given to his sons, Phineas, in the hill country of Ephraim. We've got about 15 minutes left, but I think this is a good place 
to stop. We pray that today's message has been a blessing and makes an eternal impact on your life. Come join us live on Sunday at 1245 p.m. Central Time. If you're in the St. Louis metro area, we meet at 1060 Chambers Road, a little over a mile south on Bell Fountain Road from Highway 270. You can also join us via Zoom. The login number is 314-720-8880. You can call that same number to reach someone on our ministry team or text the word connect there to be in the know regarding upcoming events. Again, that number is 314-720-8880. We are Relationship Church. Come grow with us.